Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. All right, welcome back, everyone, uh, to the IPHO podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Gittleson. If you missed my last episode with Corey Rance, the Worldwide Medical Fellow at Bristol-Myers Squibb, definitely check that out. Uh, But today, we have my good friend Preston Skursik on the episode. Uh, Preston is a first-year U.S. Medical Affairs Fellow with GlaxoSmithKline in conjunction with the University of North Carolina. He recently graduated from Mercer University College of Pharmacy in May of this year. Preston, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Alexi. It's a it's a pleasure to be here today. Of course. I'm, I'm sure the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Uh, do you want to start by just talking a little bit about how we met and how we know each other? Yeah, of course. So Alexi and I had been familiar with each other uh, from LinkedIn. Uh, he had reached out to me when he accepted the UCB position. I think he saw that I had interned there, which kind of created some common ground. Uh, I actually wasn't aware that his fellowship was going to be in the Research Triangle Park area of North Carolina, which is where my fellowship was going to be located as well. So uh, it's been it's been great because we've been able to meet up a few times and really get to know each other. Great. So on today's show, Preston and I decided that we would do an episode focused on providing tips for the ASHP mid-year interview process for fellowship candidates. Uh, we figured this would be a very timely episode because mid-year applications will start opening up very soon, uh, with some programs opting to even skip mid-year entirely and use their own timelines. Uh, so some of those companies we heard are going to start opening up applications as early as mid-September. So we figured this uh, was a good time to get this episode pushed out uh, for all of the uh, P4 listeners that are going to be pursuing fellowships. We'll discuss tips and tricks that we either used ourselves or simply heard about and thought were worth sharing. And these are all just to give you guys ideas. Obviously, we know everyone has their own process and way of doing things. Uh, but along the way, we found we incorporated ideas that we picked up from others or you know, ideas that we heard of and kind of made them our own and, and incorporated those in our process of obtaining a fellowship. So We hope you find these helpful, and I'll just hop right into my first tip that I used when I was going through the process. So for all the listeners, it's important to remember that Preston and I, the year that we went through the process, it was all virtual. So keep that in mind. Some some tips are going to be applicable to virtual uh, and in person. Some tips might be better for virtual and vice versa, Um, but just, just so everyone is aware, it was all virtual when we went through it. So that being said, the first tip that I am going to give that I found extremely helpful is to use an Excel cheat sheet with all the programs that you're applying to. And this is a a very common tip. I I had heard this from a lot of fellows that I had talked to throughout the process. Um, And so the Excel cheat sheet basically consists of very basic information about the company. So for example, the company's name, the location of the company, the therapeutic areas that the company is involved with, all of the company's products. Uh, I think I even might have had mechanism of actions for, for all their products, which in retrospect might have been a little bit overkill. 
Um, but you know, it, it never hurts to be overprepared. Um, and then very important, the company mission statement or their values, you can find all of that stuff on the company's website, but they really like when you incorporate uh, those, those types of points in your answers to their questions. Uh, so basically the way I use this Excel cheat sheet was in between interviews with different companies because, you know, even though it was virtual and it was a little bit convenient not having to physically go from one place to another to do these interviews, uh, some of my interviews were just back to back, you know, on Zoom or Teams or whatever we used. So I didn't really have a ton of time in between interviews to kind of prepare for the next interview. So the idea was I was very prepared for all of my interviews, but when you're hopping from one company to the next, to the next, to the next, et cetera, it, it does get confusing and it gets hard to keep up. So I basically just had this Excel sheet pulled up and in between interviews, I would just really quickly scan the information that I had put down for the next company. And this is not information I had pulled up during the interview. So it sounds like a lot for an Excel cheat sheet, but it really wasn't a ton of information. It was just so that you know, going into the interview, I had my mind completely focused on that company and just key points to remember about that company. Yeah, I completely agree. That was some advice that I had gotten as well um, prior to our fellowship process. And that was something that I would highly recommend to everyone else, because like Alexi said, it's something that if you have back-to-back -back interviews, it's, it's great to be able to just pull that up. Uh, remember a few quick things about which products they have. So you, you're not mixing up companies uh, looking into their values, which is something really important. And I'm glad he touched upon that. That's something that'll often be incorporated into their brochures or you can easily find on their website. So I would highly recommend that as well. Another tip that I had that kind of went along with that uh, was keeping timelines for each of the programs. And this is even something that you can incorporate into that Excel spreadsheet. But And we don't know how everything's going to be this year. Uh, obviously, Alexi knows his program and I know my program, but we don't know how everyone's going to be. But they, everyone might have varying timelines um, that, that vary pretty significantly like last year. Like you have some programs, I think it was Northeastern that opened recruitment in September, while some programs like um, I think it was MCPHS didn't open until like early November, maybe late October. So just those keeping, keeping in mind how different everyone's timelines are going to be is really going to help you uh, understand when you need to submit things by, uh, when interviews are going to start by, and it's going to help you be able to space out uh, those processes and keep those processes uh, individualized. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And honestly, in my opinion, looking back on the entire process, that was probably the most challenging thing about the fellowship process was having to keep track of when every program had different deadlines. Um, you know, especially our year with it being virtual, a lot of companies did do things on their own timelines. So it's like you had to keep track of Rutgers and their timelines and all the companies affiliated with them. You had to keep track of MCPHS and their different timelines, Northeastern's program, and then all of the uh, positions that you apply to with independent companies that were, were just not affiliated with anybody, they had their own timelines. So um, I, I think that's a really important point. And that might be the best tip that you're going to get out of this entire episode, because you know, now that you bring that up, looking back, that was that was extremely challenging to make sure that you were keeping track of it, and not only keeping track of it, but prioritizing all of your research on the different companies in time for all of those different timelines. Really, so that's a, that's a really great point. Um, the next point that I'm going to talk about is uh, this is one that I think a lot of you are already doing because I've had a few of these conversations with you already. But it's talk to the current fellows in the positions 
that you're interested in in obtaining because when you talk to those current fellows you're getting a real perspective on the company their culture the fellows overall experience with the program and to be honest you'll find that most fellows are going to be pretty honest with you about their experiences um, and, and it's really important to have those conversations. And, and I'm talking about not necessarily first round interviews with the fellows, but ahead of time before mid-year applications even open, uh, like, like as in now, start reaching out to those fellows, reach out to them on LinkedIn. You know, this goes back to my last episode with Corey, but all those different ways that you can reach out to those fellows. Uh, you know, we just went through the process, so we will make that time to, to answer your questions and to speak with you. And for me personally, I found that to be very helpful because my position with UCB, a huge part of the reason why I accepted it was because of those conversations I had with the current fellows. And having those conversations tells you a ton about the company, a ton about the position, and really just will let you know if you're a good fit and if these are the people that you want to be working with day in and day out. Uh, So I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. And I would highly encourage that as well. That's something that um, I did prior to going into interviews. And that's it, it's great because you get to know the fellow um, and you get a lot of your questions answered prior to um, applying to the programs or even ahead of like the webinars that each program is going to hold. But it's also your way of uh, making a first impression prior to those interviews. So uh, let's say you reach out to Alexi and you have a great conversation with him. He's going to be like, you know, um, I know so-and-so that's applying to this program. Um, he's going to be someone that we watch out for whenever it comes time for, for interviews and the application process itself. So, um, it, like I said, it's just a great way to make a first impression and leave a good impression heading into those first round and second round interviews. Another, another piece of advice that I really like is, um, just looking at the program as a whole. I think that that's really important. I think everyone gets caught up in, oh, I want to apply to medical affairs. So I'm just going to apply to all the medical affairs programs that are available. But I think it's important to also just look at really what you want and how those programs can uh, really offer you those those things that you want. So like, does is the program affiliated with the school? This can give you things like teaching opportunities, mentorship opportunities with students and other additional experiences. You know, teaching gives you good, great experience if you're going into like medical affairs role where you could be helping train sales reps or MSLs, creating slide decks uh, on, on medical education. Um, or even and even mentoring younger students is another great experience to really give back um, and help with uh, future people that are going into fellowships. And so just keeping in mind what all a program offers, um, can you see yourself living in the area that the fellowship's located in? And this is big because things like cost of living, is it somewhere where you could be, uh, where you could see yourself long term? Is it a big biotech hub? Um, So like Boston, RTP out in California, those areas, really big biotech hubs. Uh, So just something to keep in mind. And um, like I said, I can't stress that enough. Just really look at the program as a whole and what it offers and if that's what you really want. Yeah, that's that's a might might be up there for tied for the best tip, honestly, because you're putting out some really good tips because again, looking back, that is really what made the difference for me when it came down to deciding on a position. Because, you know, for me, my my functional area is patient safety or pharmacovigilance. Um, but, you know, you apply to so many of these positions and it you get to the point where once you get to making an actual decision, those small side things are really going to be what make the decision for you because, you know, I sat down and I made a pros and cons list of all of these different positions. 
And you have to think not only is the functional area what you want, not only are the people, the types of people you want to work with, but it's really the whole package. And and when it came down to it, my decision became very easy for me because of those things like where do you want to live? Uh, what types of experiences do you want available to you? You know, if if you you mentioned teaching, if you're interested in academia at all, or you think in the future you might be, take the opportunity to to go with a program that gives you that you know additional experience and gives you the opportunity to get a teaching certificate, um, because I think that will just prove to be very valuable. If you're not interested in academia, you might be looking at uh, you know programs that might offer more. Uh, more opportunities like networking opportunities or or whatever it is, you know, when you guys go through the process, you'll you'll notice that all of these different positions they offer different perks. So um, that that's the type of thing that you notice once you get more towards the end of the process. But once you do get towards the end of the process, that is going to make a world of difference when it comes to deciding where you're going to live for the next one to two years and and hopefully even longer. So that's a great tip. Uh, that kind of leads into my my third tip, which is go with your gut. So we're talking about making decisions. We're talking about, you know, how are you going to choose between various programs if you do have multiple options? And, you know, Preston's point just kind of answered that. Look at the whole package that you're getting, not just the company name, not just the position, not just who you're going to be working for, but it's really the whole package. Um, and once you take all that into account, I personally still found it very difficult to make a decision. You know, looking back, I'm extremely happy with my decision and I, I got honestly pretty much everything that I could have wanted. Um, but I still found it difficult because in the back of my head, I was always thinking, what if I had taken that other one or, or the other one? And, you know, I had talked about this in the previous episode, but just go with your gut and don't look back uh, because you'll never know what would have happened had you made a different choice. So, Make the best decision for you at the time during your interview process and just be happy that you were in the position to be able to have that decision um, and, and just go with it and, and, and move on and look forward and don't look back. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that's, that's really good because ultimately all the programs that you apply to should be programs that you're, you could see yourself being happy with. So um, no matter where you accept your fellowship position, just remember that this was a position that, that you really wanted at one point and, you know, you can make the best out of any opportunity. So that's, that's something I would definitely keep in mind. Um, and, and going into my third tip um, is this is kind of ironic since I said that Alexi and I were familiar with each other on LinkedIn, but um, the tip would be to don't get caught up with what everyone else is doing. And this was advice I had actually received from one of my best friends that had gone through the fellowship process the year before I did as I was going through the fellowship process, I, I kind of wish I had adhered to it a little bit more uh, than I did. But, um, you know, I've always been big on LinkedIn and social media, but especially during fourth year of pharmacy school, all the other candidates are going to be trying to, to per se, flex as much as they can, posting great rotations, publications and other great experiences. You'll see candidates that have like three industry rotations at big companies like BMS, Lilly, Sanofi, um, and two industry focused internships through pharmacy school. And it just kind of uh, just kind of blows your mind that they they could do all of that. Um, but you can't help what other candidates have done or the experiences they've acquired. So you really need to just realize that you probably have also accumulated some really great experiences as well. Uh, so just really focusing on you um, and why you are the best candidate and focus on how your experiences will help you succeed in this position and just be confident. 
Uh, realize that other candidates may be looking at your LinkedIn profile or seeing things that you're doing and thinking the same thing, wishing they had some of those experiences. So, Yeah, 100% agreed. And th- I really like this point because this is actually not advice that I had heard going into it. And it seems very logical. Uh, and I wish I had heard it because, you know, I do remember going through the process and some of the stress that we were under was honestly because you were seeing other candidates going through the process. Um, and kind of, you know, you start seeing people accepting positions and you start, you know, you're in group chats with your friends that are going through the process and you're like, Oh wow, it sounds like it's going really well for them. And maybe I'm behind or maybe it's not going as well. And it's really important to just, you know, ignore all of that and just try not to get involved in that because during the process, it's your process and your process alone. And like you said, you can't help what other candidates have done. Some people on paper are going to look fantastic. Um, but I think you'll agree now that we're on the other side of it. And we've talked to, you know, the program directors that did the interviews, um, you know, pr- from what I've heard, a lot of them will say, you know, some people are great on paper, but you know, if you can't have a conversation with someone, you're not going to be a good fit on the team. And that, that's super important. So really just go through the process, be yourself and, if you're a good fit, you're a good fit. And that's really all that they are looking for. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think that that's something that, like I said, I wish I had adhered to it a little bit more, but I think it's really important to keep in mind as you go through the process because, you know, it's, it's stressful on everyone and everyone deals with stress differently. So um, don't stress yourself out too much. Realize that you're a great candidate if you're already going through the process. And like I said, just be confident. Yeah, definitely. So uh, another tip that I have, uh, and this is more of a virtual tip. Uh, this definitely would not be applicable if you were doing this in real per- uh, in real life, like physically in front of the person. Um, but uh, honestly, this is something that I did that really did help me. Um, so you know, when you're preparing for interviews, I'm sure we all did the same thing. We asked fellows for you know sample interview questions. You go on Google and you look up fellowship interview questions and you have this huge long list of questions that you need to be prepared for. And a lot of those questions are just straight memorization questions, uh, questions and answers. So for example, you know, you need to be prepared for questions like what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Like those types of questions that you just have to memorize. And in my opinion, they just kind of took up like brain space that I wanted for, you know, those points on my Excel sheet. I can't have an Excel sheet in front of me, but little just like words that you can have jotted down to just stir your memory really helped me out a lot. So if I did get a question about, you know, what are your strengths or or weaknesses or whatever, some companies will ask you for like two, some companies might ask you for four. And once you're bouncing around interviews, you might forget or you might stumble. And then that kind of just throws you off for the entire rest of the interview. So me personally, I had like just keywords jotted down on the side of my computer or whatever. And I would be very cautious with doing that. It did help me and that's why I'm mentioning it, but I would be very cautious because you know, the person interviewing you can tell if you're just reading something off a sheet of paper or looking down to the side. So you have to be very careful about how you do it. For me, it was mostly just like, you know, 50% of the time or more, I didn't even use them. But if I did need something to stir my memory, you know, you just glance down for a split second and you just see one word and then you're able to just go right back into it and resume your flow. Um, so that helped me out a lot. I don't know if, if you had that same experience or not during your process. That, that's a really great point, Alexi. Um, it's it's great to use those practice interview questions, but like like you said, you don't want to sound rehearsed. 
you don't want to sound like you've been practicing this, this, the answer to this question five times a day for the past week or two. Um, so I, I think it's important to just have keywords that you can talk to. Um, and it's, you're also going to get questions that throw you off. I know everyone talks about like some of those offhanded questions that, um, like, oh, if you were a medication, what medication would you be? Or if you were bringing a medication to, you're stranded on an island, which medication would you want to bring with you? Things like that. Um, I didn't get a ton of those, but you will get some questions that you did not anticipate at all, and it's going to really throw you off. And so I think making sure you don't rehearse all of the interview questions and just focus on all of those interview questions is really important because you need to be able to adapt and answer questions and uh, like Alexi said, just be able to hold a conversation. So, yeah, that's a good point. And actually, going off of what you just said, so you know, I also have heard of those really weird questions that you know, there's really no way you can prepare for those types of questions. I also didn't really get too many of those during my actual interviews. I got a lot of those during mock interviews. Um, so on different pharma rotations that I had as an Appy student, they they were willing to do mock interviews for me. And that's where I experienced those types of questions. And I personally was not prepared for those at all. So I'm really glad I got those out of the way. But if you if you don't have experience or if you haven't heard of what we're talking about, um, you know, I would just Google it. I'm sure you can find examples of just like really crazy fellowship interview questions that just don't make sense. Like I remember one was if you were stranded on an island and could only bring like one medication, what would it be and why? Uh, that's a common one. Um, so yeah, again, you can't really prepare for those. And I think you need to have a strategy for how to handle those situations. Um, so something that I've heard a lot of people do is just say, you know, that's a that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Do you mind if I just take a, a minute to think about it and we can come back to it? So that way you can keep the interview moving. They can move on. And then later on, you could say, oh, yeah. And by the way, uh, that question you asked about the medication that I can bring on an island, I thought about it. And this is this is what my response so something like that. So I, I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with you asking to have a minute or just, you know, can we come back to that question later? Because you can keep the interview moving. The interviewer will be happy with that. It's going to show that you're taking time to actually think about it and not just, you know, blurt out the first drug that comes in your mind. Um, so I think that's one way to deal with that. I, I really like that advice, Alexi. Um, I, I think, like I said, everyone's going to get caught off with, with offhanded questions that maybe you didn't prepare for. Uh, and taking a moment to think about your response as opposed to just starting to ramble is something that they're going to notice. They're going to be like, okay, he wants to get his thoughts together, really formulate a good answer to this question, as opposed to someone that's, like Alexi said, just blurts out a medication, starts to explain it, realizes it doesn't make sense, and then just tries to like wrap it up. So, um, and one last tip that I just thought about uh, regarding interviewing is just really know your CV. Uh, I got a ton of questions about past experiences, things that I did throughout pharmacy school, leadership positions, things like that, and how that would translate to the position that I'd be working in and how that's really helped me become the person that I am today. So that's something that I would know like the back of your hand. Just go through your CV um, before any before any interview, um, before your applications. Just You never know when they're going to ask you questions about one specific point on your CV. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, that's something I definitely heard a lot. And we actually had a list for this podcast episode of tips and we didn't have that on there because I feel like it's such a common sense tip, but it is so true. Um, because I remember I got so many questions about my CV. So there's two ways to take that. The first way to take that is 
don't leave anything on your CV that you are not able to talk about. So if it's just a small thing that you did, you know, seven years ago, and you honestly don't even remember what it was, or you remember, but you really don't have anything substantial to say about it, I would say just take it off of the CV because you know you're going to get questions related to your CV. So you can you can kind of steer the way those questions are going to go because you're the one making your CV. So put things on there that you want them to ask about and have a good response prepared. So, you know, for me, a lot of the questions that I received were, um, I, I was fortunate enough to have different industry internships and appy rotations. So I knew I was going to get grilled with questions about, you know, what did you do there? What were your results? What did you learn while you were there? How is that going to be applicable? Um, but I also think it's really important for people that, have no industry experience or very limited experience to be able to show how the experiences that you know you do decide to put on the CV correlate to industry and how are those experiences transferable and why does that make you a very good candidate regardless of the fact that you don't have that you know direct industry experience and it's super important to remember that um, you know this this is related to the tip we said earlier about don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Uh, because when you have no industry experience, it's obviously very intimidating seeing everyone that does. But like like we said earlier, it's all about the fit. And if you can have a conversation and if you truly think you are a good fit, you're going to interview very well. So just be yourself. Don't sound like a robot. Don't be over rehearsed um, and, you know, be prepared, but be yourself. And I think that is super important. Great. All right. So, Preston, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alexia. I think I think we provided a lot of really great tips and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Great, me too. Yeah, so uh, I hope all the listeners, I hope you got something out of this. If you have any questions for us or you know, if you have any other tips that you think might be helpful, feel free to reach out to myself or Preston. Um, again, LinkedIn, we're huge fans. So reach out to us if you want to talk about our positions directly, reach out to us. We'll be happy to talk with you. Um, so again, Preston, thanks for being here and we hope you guys enjoyed. See you next time.